0: I did not want to leave the academic system but the thing is in order to not leave the academic system you have to be incredibly organized and then I realized in order for me to do a postdoc I need to be making applications, I need to be finishing up my thesis, I need to be writing up for grants, I need to be applying for visas, I need to be doing so much. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I'm going to end up, what my life is going to look like but it was not possible for me to do all those things at that time it was hard for me to even just survive on a day-to-day basis
1: hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of your friendly physicist and other nerds your science podcast where scientists speak about their fantastic research their visions dreams challenges and their daily life in the fabulous world of science my name is lucas i'm your friendly physicist and today we have a special guest we did our PhD together in Munich at the Technical University and finally we're sitting together on a table with microphones and it's an honor to welcome Shamba Bratap or just short Sana. So hello and welcome Sana.
0: Thank you so much Lukas, I'm very very excited and so pleased that we're finally doing this. Um,
1: likewise, likewise, <laughs> it's, it's an honor. So let me shortly introduce you. Um, you studied Bachelor in Chemistry with honors from St. Stephen's college, college in uh, Delhi, in India. Uh, after that you did an Erasmus Mundus Master program at the University of Rennes in France and at the LMU in Munich in Germany. There was a Master's in Material Sciences uh, exploring large-scale facilities. Um, very impressive. And uh, afterwards you did a PhD at the Technical University of Munich. Um, including a doctoral fellowship at the Advanced Light Source in Berkeley in California. And after you finished your PhD, uh, you left for industry and that is also the topic we want to focus on today. So how was the transition from academia to industry? Um, what were the challenges what questions arose? Uh, and i think yeah this might help some people out there who have similar questions who are also asking themselves hmm, is academia a good choice for for future career or should i go to industry so but um, the standard question first, um, everyone has to answer this question on this podcast because it's named your friendly physicist and other nerds, so <laughs> I am considering myself definitely as a nerd. Uh, would you consider yourself uh, as a nerd?
0: Oh wow, that's, that's actually a pretty funny question because um, when I think of how I would characterize myself. myself um, you know, it's hard to choose adjectives, but I guess <laughs> if being a nerd is about um, being able to engage in some sort of topics that in, that are. Um, around you in your regular life and that you're intensively investigating so much so that you internalize them and you can use them in like regular references with other people who kind of get them and you share this sort of uh, very specific uh, and personal um, humor or references um, then I guess I would say yes I am a nerd and i would say that any person in any sort of given community that shares like very specific sets of information Uh, with their friends or colleagues or whoever they're around would probably also consider themselves nerds.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, Yes.
0: so hashtag we are all nerds. Exactly,
1: this is, uh, (laughs) yeah, let's unframe nerd as something negative. I I think it's a very, very cool thing to be, because you get immersed into topics very, very deeply.
0: Yeah, Um, but also on the other hand, if you're not a nerd and if you do not have like any sort of specific communities where you feel that you share like this sort of personal private references i also think that's not like a bad thing or anything so let's say that it's not like it's cool if you're a nerd but it's also cool if you don't want to engage in these very like it it can also feel exclusive right like if you're in a specific sort of nerd circle or a nerd set maybe people from the outside feel that i'm not really part of it and they might feel discouraged um especially if um you do not kind of um, transition them into that circle right so I think like being a nerd is cool and especially if you can share your nerdiness and kind of expand it and uh, help use this uh, deep knowledge that you have about something to other things and to other people uh, that has a lot of value and I guess that's a form of outreach
1: So, so let's all be social and inclusive nerds basically as much as you can
0: be uh, i think being inclusive is um, special because it helps uh, expand our values and it helps um, expand ourselves in that process and but it's okay if you want to be exclusive and you want to feel like an in club then that's your thing that's your thing (laughs) yeah
1: Cool, so that was a very detailed answer why you are considering yourself a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, So let's dig into our today's topic. Um, Maybe a first question. Why did you decide to do a PhD after your master's, uh, not directly go to industry? Maybe that would be a good start Mm -hmm. for this topic.
0: Yeah, well, actually, you know, um, I guess I was about like, how old was that? Was that twenty two, twenty three when I first?
1: Oh, twenty three, starting a PhD so wait, yeah. Twenty,
0: yeah. I think I started in two thousand seventeen. So I guess I was twenty four. Yes. Okay. And well, I'm giving away my birthday and stuff. But anyway, um, I was about twenty four. Um, I was quite. Um, I'm not not to say that I was quite idealistic back then, and I'm no longer that way. But. Um, I had just finished my master program and I had been part of this research group uh, where we eventually met and um, it was the first time that I had this uh, long period of time to work on a scientific topic for like about a year mm-hmm. and really be able to um, apply my personal mm-hmm personally grown and cultivated ideas into a thesis, Um, in the sense that for the first time ever, I felt the independence and Mm -hmm. agency and the creative power to do something that felt new. Yeah. And during that time, I learned from all of these people that were around us, especially the people who had been more experienced, you know, you would always look up to them yeah, because absolutely. they were like, when you're young and you have all these people who are so knowledgeable, there yeah. you aspire to be, um, to reach that level of knowledge. Um, so um, I kind of looked up to all these people who were doing PhDs and just were so cool you know it just seemed like that's cool and i'd like to do that um so and back then um industry uh i I have to say the industry did not hold that level of appeal for me but it might have been because the circles that i was in or i was hanging out in were mostly people that were from um uh, academia yeah, yeah. so um maybe there was like yeah. uh, a sort of bias in there um and uh but anyway um i decided that that's what i wanted to do and um I have to say that the research group that I was in was just so cool, you know. We just did so many fun activities together. And, uh, so af- the,
1: the research group uh, during your master's or then during your PhD?
0: During the master's, I did my uh, my thesis in the group of Professor yeah. Müller-Buschbaum, which is the group that we were in. Um, and as you know, this is like quite a large, diverse, multicultural um uh, and sort of social like socially diverse group yeah. as well in terms of there are just so many wide range of things that you do it's not like everyone is only hiking or doing music or- so there was just like a lot of different kinds of personalities in there yeah. so it just feel felt like um a ground of experience yeah. while um cultivating uh, not while acquiring this level of knowledge and being able to, um, like, you know, of course it was giving knowledge to the scientific community, but it was also like, oh my God, uh, I have these ideas (laughs) and I just get to test them out and wow it actually wait a second there are these interesting results and mm-hmm. i need to i get to make a theory out of it
1: that was definitely a very cool experience during the phd that you are finally not only recreate recreating data from some practical lab course or whatever who was who has have, have been done a thousand times yeah. but you can do you can do really something new and uh, yeah expand the knowledge of your field, and that was that would also be the reason why I choose to do a PhD in the end.
0: Absolutely, but and the thing was that I, it wasn't that what I did was like so groundbreaking, like I discovered gravitational waves <coughs> or something, but...
1: Maybe just for the context, so the uh, chair you did your master thesis, and then the PhD was the chair of functional materials at the physics department uh, at the TU uh, of Munich. Um, and maybe just roughly i mean what you did in in your phd was basically improving materials for some kind of solar cells i would say
0: yeah i uh, that's correct um, so um, i would say that it was a, my phd was about developing some form of fundamental understanding and I, uh, I know that the goal is not to get too pedantic so I'm going to try and generalize this a little bit over here but essentially um, what we were doing was we were different mixing different sort of elemental compositions for this class of materials, which are known as hybrid perovskites, which have application um, in a, lo- like a wide range of optoelectronic um, uh, technologies, uh, especially solar cells, um, LED lasers, um, sensors. Uh, oh, And it's like a very wide and um, versatile set of materials. And the thing is that what was really cool about this material is that They were kind of acting in between um, uh, different sorts of properties. Mm -hmm. So sometimes they would um, exhibit properties that were very specific to metallic sort of uh, Mm -hmm. conductors. And then on the other hand, they were also being uh, very soft, you know. That is a sort of um, uh, like... Uh, That was a novel sort of behavior, and I was sort of interested in this novelty. I was especially uh, interested in this soft matter sort of behavior in which the material had so much freedom of expression. And my phd was about trying to <laughs> i'm sorry i no, know no, that no worries. this shouldn't be so long
1: but no 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 worries um, so basically, but basically you you contributed to develop next generation solar cells uh
0: yeah so and what the cool we... thing
1: because this also closes the circle to what you said before i mean it's i think it's a perfect topic for a phd position because it's a novel material it's it shows novel properties and you have not only the material has some freedom to behave in whatever way it behaves, also you as a student has <laughs> some freedom, because finally you have three or three and a half or four years of time where you can really dig into this topic. And this is also maybe then closes the, the, the loop to the very first question. I mean, this is being a nerd. Yeah? Digging <laughs> into these materials in, in, in so much detail. I mean, you, you developed such a crazy expertise on on this tiny niche okay Guide solar cells is not a tiny niche there are super big conferences on that but still you are one of very few people on earth who who know so much about this thing and this is something very cool about a phd in in my opinion
0: definitely and i kind of just want to put like a little um uh, context on this i feel like um different people that would have done the PhD uh, on the same topic would get very different insights from their experiments mm-hmm. yeah. uh, maybe some people are more of an analytical bent. maybe some people are more of a theoretical bent. Yeah. Yeah. maybe some people are more, you know you can have very different sorts of mm-hmm. insights from similar things that you do and I think what was really special about a phd was that you were working together with mm-hmm. so many different yeah, I just people wanted to say that, yeah. absolutely and you would know so much about it because you collaborated with so many research mm-hmm. groups on different topics uh, with so many different applications and that was co- kind of like a widening of your let's yeah. say scientific um worldview yeah, yeah. Um, And that was special because it was like um, I was sitting with an engineer, uh, let's say during my beam time in Berkeley one time, and we were just kind of looking at this in-situ data that was coming on the screen, uh, which was like constantly Mm -hmm. changing. And he looked at it. uh, This is an Mm -hmm. individual uh, called Jonathan Slack, who is one of the brightest and most inspiring uh, minds that I have had the honor to uh, talk and um, collaborate and learn from and he just looked at this data that was basically these images and he was like oh wow that looks like there's a bird that is in transition (laughs) that turns into an egg and then that egg is solidifying
1: This is a perfect, this is an absolutely um, legit first analysis of the data. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know,
0: I would say say that that (laughs) kind of just made the entire experience so much more interesting because I felt that I had sort of an experienced eye that kind of... Not make me yeah. see such novel things, but to an outsider who was seeing yeah. it for the first time, yeah. it was just so crazy, yeah. and it it yeah. kind of made me change my view <laughs> and look at the data in a different way. And I kind of wanted to take the analogies that he placed because I was like, that's a, an untrained scientific uh, uh, view, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not gone through all literature. It's it's like what is. Um, Sort of emergent. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, I want to use that insight and see yeah. how that. Yeah, can ex- probably ex- be applied into yeah. theory it's and, ex-
1: extremely valuable and if you have someone who has, who looks at your data the very first time and you are stuck on this data for half a year or several months or whatever and he just comes hey it looks like a bird and then it looks like an egg and you was like hmm, actually <laughs> he's right yes yeah there's something <laughs> happening there right why? Oh, why didn't I see that and then um, maybe the problem is not solved but you get one step you get a new perspective on that and you get um, yeah collaborative then you get to, to the final analysis or at least one step further.
0: Yeah, and well, even if correct, you yeah. don't get one step further, what well, is like, it's like, it's interesting again, you know? Yeah. It's like you're no longer stuck in the rut. Yeah.
1: It's
0: like, oh, that's <laughs> an intriguing way to think
1: of it. Yeah, that's cool.
0: So, um, yeah, so that, I, I, that was just to say that different people would bring in different things to a PhD and Everyone's experience is going to be unique, yeah. you know. I wish that I had been... Um, like, I think you'd always feel this way. I felt like... I looking back at my PhD I was like I could have worked harder I could have done more you know I could have uh, developed more skills on these 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 things and I could have practiced this more and I could have been more disciplined there's
1: always more there's always something more you can do reading more paper writing (laughs) one more paper going to one more conference
0: yeah but this one
1: workshop this one skill
0: the thing is that you feel so close to what you did that you feel like if I also had all of these other abilities, I could have maybe done more. But of course, these things are time limited, as you have mentioned, and as you have um, discussed in various forms earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, these uh, scientific positions during PhD and postdoc, well, basically, even almost like before you get permanent positions or tenure. Um, there's like this level of uncertainty. Um,
1: it's, yeah. This could be a whole episode on its own, maybe uh, we could do that on, on, at one time. But... I'm
0: sure that you have a lot of uh, insight into that, but I just kind of wanted yeah. to allude to this fact that um, it is a journey, it is a time-limited journey. And, and it's
1: a unique journey that's it is very a unique very journey. important and uh, the outcome or the outcome of every PhD journey in my opinion You cannot me- of course you measure it. Yeah, with, with papers citations reads index, indices, whatever yeah. But actually the outcome you should not measure uh, with numbers Yeah. the quality of a paper I'm, I'm not sure uh, if, if it's a very niche topic then of course it doesn't get so many reads or so many citations like sustainable solar cells whatever yeah
0: Yeah, like there are these cooler topics like machine learning learning for uh, material discovery like all in the future I'm sure that uh, there are just going to be like some topics which are more influential and
1: more in vogue but that doesn't
0: have to say anything
1: about the inherent value of that field about the quality of your work even if you worked on a niche topic Yeah, or uh, it
0: couldn't even be niche it could be anything or anything,
1: yeah could be but anything. combined that with this uh, limited contracts you have yeah. and the uncertainty you yeah. have yeah uh, makes it really hard to um yeah to to really <coughs> deliver a good performance or to, to really feel well in 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 one's topic uh, some, sometimes so that's this is really one one big disadvantage of of the academic system in my opinion because it's Limits the I don't know the the creativity, the quality, the innovational power of the students who who do work there, and uh, this is this is a pity.
0: Yeah, um, I would say that maybe some people would say that you know if you're coming from one sort of ideological section, you would say actually this actually um, it, uh, promotes creativity because yeah. you're like oh this is all the time that I have, but on the other hand, I also feel that there is
1: this argument, by the way, because I just uh, read a book about this, is okay. scientifically not proven. No, absolutely so, not. So it's it's always the argument. Or actually, about, I don't know about it. It's always the argument about the the big guys. We <laughs> don't need to gender here because basically, it, or most of them are really guys. Um, who have a permanent position? The the argument of of, of them is, uh, we need these limited mm-hmm. uh, time contracts mm-hmm. because only then we have enough fluctuation, and this creates innovation, this creates creativity, and this is this is just a bold um, assumption. There's there's no solid fundament here yeah. for this argument.
0: I think it's like this influx of um, um, let's say scientific labor, or yeah. any form of creative labor that is uh, I guess it's more profitable in terms yeah. of performance for you to uh, have a limited yeah. time and then use whatever you did in that limited time to be given opportunities in the next phase of another limited time yeah. competition yeah,
1: Exactly.
0: and then I feel you know we say that you shouldn't really compare your experience with other people But the thing is, if the system is kind of built that way that inherently you're rewarded uh, for doing some things rather than the other in terms of, um, say, some form of metrics which are measurable, Mm -hmm. then it becomes hard to actually apply that sort of um, ideals to, um, you know, reality. But here I kind of want to emphasize that it is very important that we have recognized that this is a shortcoming of the system that we are in Mm -hmm, as the generation that is going to carve the ideology and the sort of philosophy uh, of our field in the future that we must take action to counteract it. Um, Of course, it's great that we have these conversations, but these conversations... Require to be translated into
1: Actions.
0: not just um, uh, You know um, What do you call them? Like uh, these are our um, ideals or whatever yeah. as an institution and uh, this is our um, uh, Whatever so you have to take um, action and you have to counteract the action which perpetuates the current system right and
1: yeah fully agree
0: that's that seems like a hard problem but honestly whenever i think of hard problems i think of if you managed to put a person on the moon in 1969 yeah, yeah. or whatever year that was it, nothing is impossible, right? You just have to commit to it. You have to put in all the resources that you're putting into the other ways of yeah. being, and then nothing is impossible. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's a very, it's a very large gap, in my opinion. Of uh, on the one hand, we we have technical uh, quantum leaps and putting man on the moon or on the Mars or soonish and whatever. And on the other hand, uh, we sometimes behave like uh, um, with each other and treating each other like we are in the middle age. So this is, uh, yeah, this is a very big problem, I would say as well. and probably takes a very long process it's very time consuming
0: actually I think it wouldn't it's just that the barriers that are uh, placing forth the resistance have too much power and there has to be power redistribution and what that means it comes not just with positions it comes with funding it comes with security it comes with access it comes with continued support even if you're let's say, unable to do the things that are expected out of you because of your unique condition, the fact is, everyone's going to have different um, uh, ability and everyone's going to have different circumstances in their lives. Um, For instance, we worked together with um, uh, a friend of ours who had a baby at her home, right? And um, she had... responsibilities beyond what we did um i I am aware that there are certain institutions that make more um uh, accommodation for such um um, circumstances but maybe they're just reserved for if you're a professor there or if you're a staff member there you know i don't really know like if you're a master student or a PhD student which has uh, specific needs how much the university really does for you right now maybe it was because we were at the Technical University of Munich where most of the uh, colleagues of ours were predominantly men or whatever but I felt like in our department for instance maybe it would have been different in different departments but in our department We had this special chair um, that was led by um, this resource group, which was led by uh, Dr. Christina Papadakis uh, for the women in the uh, department. But the fact is that they were starved of resources. They were starved of uh, staff. They were starved of anything that would actually enable them to do what they could. So they were constrained by the structures not really enabling them to do what they'd like to do. So we talked to uh, Dr. Papadakis about um, a web page that was present on the physics department website that that was outdated and had uh, some sort of uh, default text in it. And then she invited us saying, yes, please, you know, um, if, you, uh, if you're able to, please come and join us and uh, help uh, improve this. And then we realized, actually, you know what? I, I want to do this, but we're already on like, Fifty percent contracts.
1: Fifty percent contracts. You do
0: not have enough time. S-
1: such a high, lo- high amount of work and uh, you're paid well, yeah.
0: only for three years, and after that, if you t- need more time, then you're unpaid. And yeah. finishing off your PhD, <laughs> where do you find the time to do other things?
1: Yeah, the time and the energy and the effort. And I mean, if you experience uh, such a treatment, uh, why you should be? Why you have? Why should you be motivated to to give? even more to, to, to something yeah. yeah if and you, if you don't get anything out this and is, I have yeah. to
0: say that we did have friends and colleagues for yeah. instance Dr. Francisca Lora yeah, yeah, yeah. who went beyond above and beyond to contribute to the well-being of uh, uh, the student uh, body yeah. that was present uh, as the student graduate <clears throat> what was it called? graduate Group. member
1: PhD committee something,
0: something like, like that this. and they were actually always uh, asking us for recommendations and things to do so she volunteered her time
1: she volunteered her time which um, was not very beneficial for her PhD direct result, PhD work direct PhD work scientific work uh, and in the end, I mean, of course, she, she developed soft skills while, while doing this. Yeah, this is something for sure she will benefit in the future. But this um, pen on paper results she got in the end, there were nothing beneficial from that for your scientific work directly. I yeah,
0: would say. so this is, this the, is really the scientific work wouldn't recognize yeah, this sort of effort uh, that she Placed and not just she, I know that there are several uh, people in these committees, yeah. and uh, well, some committees are less demanding than others. Yeah. For instance, we were part of yeah, a commu- yeah. uh, committee, a student board at the uh, Nanosystems Initiative of Munich, um, in which we had uh, representatives from five different universities that formed this cohort. But
1: and that, that was quite fun, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: that that was a very non-demanding committee I would say exactly because you you weren't
0: responsible for one department's well-being you were responsible for organizing conferences for uh, organizing summer schools and um, any sort of um, activities for career talks and mentoring (laughs) uh, um, resources but I I I don't mean to trivialize the work that we did over there. No,
1: absolutely not. But
0: what I'm trying to say is that you can just really spend your time doing a lot, right? We chose to do things in a different way, which was less demanding, and we had more access to resources in terms of we actually had funding, we actually had um, administrative support. And I yeah. feel that that really makes so much of a difference, you know. And it's not like, you know, now having been in industry and having been in uh, environments where I see what is possible and the extent of resources that are available to organizations, I just know that, pardon my French, it's bullshit when you say it's not possible. Yeah. You know? It's like, you don't want to do it. Don't call it impossible.
1: Yeah yeah I, I think uh, when it comes to funding and money uh, academia and industry are uh, two separate universes yeah but maybe <laughs> maybe we already got straight to the point um, i mean discussing the last minutes uh, first the positive things of of academia yeah, the diversity of course this could improved even further um, the i would say scientific freedom you have to to also set the course of your scientific journey yourself at some level at least and on the other hand um, yeah that uh, if you are exploited in terms of energy time you're underpaid massively very um, sadly. Of course, there are um, yeah different chairs. If you go to at least in Munich, was like the mechanical engineers they get the full position. We the got computer half science computer department, science in, uh, IT and stuff. Uh, we that got, was
0: like disparity because like it also reflected the yeah. sort of I don't know if I I now I don't want to like bad mouth anyone because no, no, I no. don't actually know how this sort of distribution of why do computer science PhD students get 100% yeah. positions and physics and chemistry have 50% positions? And I heard that a lot of biology
1: students don't have
0: any funding.
1: Yeah, and from humanity sciences, uh, I don't want to start to talk about it and at yeah, all that's, because it's, that's... it gets even worse there, uh, and it, it just uh, gives a it gives a bad feeling about this because if at least from my perspective, some point i felt i'm less valuable than other student uh, who's doing uh, their phd in another subject and this just didn't felt fair
0: yeah and i kind of want to just recognize the fact that we already had it so much better than so many other phd students
1: i mean the uh, in my opinion, I had a wonderful PhD experience. Uh, yeah, it was a and great not it was a experience, great experience, but
0: the funding. For instance, if you're a PhD student in the UK, I know that by default you do not have funding. You do not have uh, Social Security, health yeah. insurance, pension, all this stuff that made our... Uh, that freed up so much mental space you know that I yeah. don't have to worry that much about rent yeah. or that much about like it was ridiculous remember we recently saw this post in which the stipend of someone working in the UK was just so ridiculous it was
1: like 4,000 something
0: it was 18,000 pounds which um, I know it can be yeah. a lot but uh, which is probably a lot if you come from a place like India which is where like a lot of people are doing their PhDs. But the thing is, if your rent is like a thousand pounds a month, then you're basically left with maybe negative money at the yeah. end of the year, you know? No. And we had like we at least had it a little bit better off. But then again, you you could be paying to do your PhD, which is also a thing in the UK. Like you do not get any funding, you actually pay a tuition fee. And uh, whatever sort of thing. And then on the other hand, you could be in places.
1: But this is then also being exclusive because then science or doing a PhD is like a very expensive hobby.
0: Absolutely. Kind of. And yes. uh,
1: if you have the money, then for sure you can do it. Yes. But uh, I mean, if you don't have the money but are equally smart yes. and clever and have scientifically great ideas. Whatsoever, then you're left out because you don't have the money or the funding for it.
0: You now you can begin to see the appeal of industry a little bit, right?
1: Exactly that. Where I want to draw this because the the, the flow of this talk <laughs> naturally goes in this direction, and I can see like also the anger and the frustration yeah. in your eyes. <laughs> so, so maybe I ask directly. So these were probably the the, the main reasons why you at one point said, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave the academic system. No,
0: no. The oh, thing okay. is, I <laughs> did not want to leave the academic system. But the thing is, in order to not leave the academic system, you have to be incredibly organized, you have to be incredibly um, uh, focused, you have to be uh, really competitive, you know. At the point of my life where I was in when I was p- finishing my PhD I did not have access to full parts of let's say uh, my being okay i I was going through a hard time I um, almost I had a breakdown at that point of my life where after well I still hadn't finished my PhD and I felt I just did not have it in me to finish you know and this was such a startling uh, feeling for me because during my PhD, I felt like, oh my god, this feels as natural as breathing, you know. Mm-hmm. Doing everything felt so natural. Mm-hmm. Then I ha- hit a mental health barrier that kind of took it away from me. I felt sapped. And then I realized in order for me to do a postdoc, I need to be making applications, I need to be finishing up my thesis, I need to be writing up for grants, I need to be applying for visas, I need to be doing so much. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going to end up. Yeah. What my life is going to look like, but it was not possible for me to do all those things at that time. It was hard for me to even just survive on a day-to-day basis, yeah. okay? I I don't want to say that It was because of the stress of the phd it was a lot of things that i was naturally going through and this can happen with anyone and it happened to me at the end of my phd so let's say most of the work that i had to do was already done it can happen to you in the beginning it can happen to you when you enter it you could be in any sort of frame of mind when you're in academia if you're fully functional and everything then it's easier for you but if i did not have access to all of my cognitive abilities anymore it seemed like almost a herculean task yeah. and it just yeah. felt easier to go through the process of trying to look for a job in industry you know because there were a lot more positions that were uh, of course i uh, didn't have to write up grants for it mm-hmm. I could make applications to a lot of places I could just try to describe what I could bring to the place
1: yeah.
0: and then have some sort of hopeful security and the have some sort of mental space to be able to recover and not be mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. stressed about. I need to write this paper otherwise I'm not going to get um, a tenure-track position
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Or I need to be finishing this I need to be answering this and this time and this time I mean you have to do a lot of stuff in industry and of course you need to be able to deliver and perform and of course the thing is that if you don't deliver and perform at one place it's okay maybe you just go to another place okay but in academia it is going to be all interconnected. Your previous step is going to very strongly determine the next step that is available to you.
1: And especially the insecurity you mentioned, uh, that you're on a a non-permanent position basically all the time until you are at some kind of tenure track or professorship or whatever. Uh, and, And these positions are super rare. And this just block so much headspace. Um, how do I pay the rent? Yes, what is it yes. in six months? Um, and th- your contract is running out, but the work isn't finished yet. Then you, yeah. uh, you and
0: just, then you're on to the next thing and you still owe a lot of results and papers to the previous thing. And yeah. it's like, there's a constant debt in there.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: And it's so much pressure. It's, and it's I pressure. could yeah. not take that at that point. Um, then having transitioned to industry... Uh, was how, a, how long
1: did it take you? So let's say from you submitted and defended your thesis, then you started... I, um,
0: I submitted and defended in August 2021, and then I started my job in October
1: 2021. Also, quite fast, yeah.
0: Yes, so the thing was so I was already, actively... you
1: already uh, applied for industry jobs while in writing the thesis?
0: Yes, I did, because... For me it was necessary to do that because as a foreigner my mm. ability to stay on if I wanted to uh, in Germany I I no longer had a uh, um an Aufenthaltstitel like mm. a permission to work and stay beyond my PhD contract mm-hmm. after that after my visa for that duration ended so this actually takes us into a different dimension altogether the yeah. visas and your uh, ability to be in a certain place. After that, I had three months to look for another job. If not, I could no longer stay in Germany.
1: And I guess you had barely support from the chair or from the university for your visa application. I do a... not
0: know, I do not want to say that because um, I actually talked to our advisor for potentially doing a postdoc in Mm -hmm. the group and he offered me a position at the reactor uh,
1: where you were the reactor means the neutron research facility in Munich at Uh, the
0: FRM2 FRM2, which which is where um, we uh, have a lot of uh, research and development uh, at the group happening as well and uh, he gave me uh, the support but the thing is I, I told him that I, I am looking out for other positions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really appreciate this uh, uh, offer that you have given me. And then it was I knew that if I took this research position at the reactor, it would have been much harder for me. Um,
1: yeah, you're back in the game, so I, to say. I, I
0: still had to kind of be doing all those things yeah. that I was unable to do at that point. The thing is, I didn't know what industry would ask from me. I knew what academia was, so I didn't know what I was going to step in for, okay? But the thing is, it just felt like, okay, it's gonna be a new thing, I'm gonna figure it out, okay? Yeah. I'm gonna be a newbie, but I'm gonna figure it out. Um, so the fact was, I had to look for jobs already, and this is the case with a lot of students that come from abroad. It's also, students, uh, it's also the case for a lot of students who are already from Germany or from Europe. Um,
1: yeah, but it's, good. it's still it's easier for them to yes, do for a job. You, you in your, do not in your, have to own, kinda leave the country,
0: country if stuff. you if you yeah. uh, you don't have to leave the country if you don't find a job, you know. Mm-hmm. So the stakes were relatively high for me. Mm-hmm. So I had to look for a job and um, I could have started in September but I um talked to the HR department of the company and I asked them if it was possible to start in October and they said yes that's totally fine (laughs) and it was so valuable for me just to have this one month security uh, to have that security oh yes everything's figured out and I have one month you know and honestly it sounds it's, like so little it's
1: a it's a very strange feeling yeah yeah,
0: yeah. it's like i've finished my phd i have yeah. my next job sorted out and i have yeah. one month vacation yeah. it sounds like it's so little but honestly
1: I totally to a young
0: way. person who's like still on their
1: yeah.
0: process to figure life out it was like i could breathe you know
1: yeah i i felt the same i mean I stayed in academia. I yeah. did a postdoc after my PhD, yeah. and uh, I defended one week before you, <laughs> yeah. uh, also in August. Um, and just the feeling to uh, so, PhD is done. Yeah, you submitted, you defend it, Everything is is. Finished. Yeah, you really did this. Yeah, it's a great feeling. And yeah. having the next position as a postdoc yeah. already safe, mm-hmm. which of course it's a limited contract. It goes for two years, and I mean it's ridiculous because the main task I'm doing right now is writing a grant for the next position. Yeah, but actually I should do exact. research and exact. science yeah. for this. Topic I am now working on, yeah. but I totally get the feeling you are so relieved. You, you achieved a major milestone with the mm-hmm. PhD, and the next at least two years for me and for you, a permanent position in industry is safe. This this is a feeling I actually I never felt it before. Ever. Yeah, it's it's it was really great. It was a really good time back then. This this month, uh, August and September mm-hmm. uh, last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Great, great, yeah, cool. And when you, so you started then your industry job in mm-hmm. October, you said?
0: In October, that's right.
1: So how was the first day, the first, or I mean, how, how was the, the process? To, I mean, you applied, you had an interview, I guess. It, yeah. oh, apparently it went well.
0: I, I had several interviews, <laughs> actually. It was a long process. I think I applied for that job in the end of March. It was almost April and I finally knew I had an August you know, oh, okay. It was a long, long yeah. process. I had, of course, applied for other jobs at the same mm-hmm. time. And I had, uh, like, uh, acceptances from different places. And then I just kind of talked to some people to kind of compare the different offers that I had. And it just sem- seemed like a lot of people just thought that, One the job that I finally took was probably going to be the most beneficial and exciting for me so I kind of took everyone's advice um, and took that position
1: Who is everyone?
0: Um, This this was my family Mm -hmm. some friends um, some of uh, the um, more experienced professional members uh, in uh, my community that I know of So, like some of my uncles and aunts who themselves are in industry Mm -hmm. positions, uh, who know how industry work and stuff, um, uh, some people who were already working for these companies. I have to say, not all of the advice for this position were positive, Mm -hmm. but it just felt like, okay, this is going to be cool, so let's give it a go. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you, I did.
1: You also asked for advice uh, in, in at the chair in the academic system?
0: I did. Um, I, I I kind of um, just uh, like I actually talked to a lot of uh, people from our group who had yeah. graduated and were working for different places. I told them mm. that here is what I uh, am looking for, and these are the various offers that I have. What do you think? What is mm-hmm. your experience? And everyone kind of gave me a different perspective mm-hmm. on things, right? It's quite
1: cool. Yeah.
0: For instance, I spoke to uh, Dr. Nitin Saxena and uh, Dr. Noorri Dr. Yeah. Jenny Labert, Dr. Johannes Schliff, yeah, yeah. Dr. Francisca Lura, like all of these of people, people yeah. that we worked together with, we had so much fun with, yeah. and they were now in these professional positions and they told me of their experiences they actually helped me and guided me through the process of getting these Mm -hmm. um, uh, my applications done so um,
1: these people you just named uh, so these were all uh, phd colleagues of us and now all work in industry in industry right one of them stayed in academia
0: right and um the thing is that they've already been there you know they yeah, they yeah. they know what it is they know what are the differences so i actually uh, remember talking um, exchanging messages with uh, uh, johannes and i was like uh, okay so you know what do you feel is the difference between industry and academia mm-hmm and I remember these perfect said,
1: questions now you're asking the questions huh? <laughs> no
0: i am i am telling you the answers yeah. i received when i was asking these questions from our friends and colleagues and johannes told me you know it's it's really great and i have um, i i do a lot of uh, work that i'm good at um, it's a very specific job that i have you know you do not have the independence to direct the project the way you did in academia mm-hmm. because you owned it and you decided how it was going to go yeah. now you're a member of something which is like so big yeah. and you're you're like a block in it and you have a specific function and role and you need to fulfill that for the larger organism to function okay he said I have a lot of free time apart from work not like my PhD where I was working overtime for hours that i wasn't paid for which is actually normal but no it shouldn't be it It shouldn't be just because it is that way is not an excuse and i mean it also happens in industry that you work overtime you're not compensated for it it happened a lot with the place that i was working at but it was normalized you know it was like the expectation so to say Mm -hmm. the expectation is that you're overworked that you're a workaholic the expectation is that you're outgoing that you're an extrovert and all of those things
1: okay so that actually sounds similar to the academic system
0: it is uh no the thing is it it might be different like the place that i work for is notoriously well known for you not having a work-life balance you know Mm -hmm. But there are other places that take much better care, for instance, um, Johannes and all these other people that work for Infineon always tell you about all the support and work-life balance that you have. Yeah. You talk to a person who is working for Amazon or yeah. Tesla or any of these yeah. other places, they're going to tell you, they have a very different culture.
1: But the good thing actually, but the, at least, the, I mean, it's nothing good about this these companies you just named, but uh, at least the good thing is that you know it beforehand. And uh, then you can say, okay, then rather I'm applying for Infineon rather than for, for Tesla or, or Amazon. If you go to a chair, I, I mean, if you, we applied for, for this PhD position at TUM. In the physics department, and I mean, I just finished my master thesis. Yeah, I knew nothing about. Yeah. Um, I mean, now I'm going through a different uh, chair, and I see all oh, the labs looking very nice. This, oh, <laughs> they are so. The offices are big. Uh, everyone has this large desk. There's. Um, and if you talk to them, you you you, you have a feeling, yeah, okay, they are mentally stable, they're not overworked, they're looking healthy. Now you know all these things, but yeah. you didn't know them back then when you finished your master and you started a PhD position and you yeah. could, basi- basically you could have ended up anywhere and then... It's it's hard to to stop a PhD or to, to and start somewhere new because mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you will be blamed, not your supervisor. Mm-hmm. And then you are always applying as a PhD student who already, uh, yeah, uh, f- so to say, failed another PhD position. And then I mean, this is this I is, mean, this is hard. yeah,
0: that's that's actually like really sad, it's, right? Uh, absolutely. And the thing is, it has nothing
1: to do with you. And nothing to do with you. And do you remember
0: quality. Dr. Kirsten Beemhold? Yeah, yeah. She was a monster. She was a paper monster. Yeah. She was one of the most prolific. And this is the individual that I mentioned had yeah. a child at home, and she was able to finish off papers and design covers and do all these yeah. graphics and yeah. have a kid at home and have a life. We had all of these uh, like evenings where we hung out together in in our girl gang and you know she was there and she was like the life of the party and yeah. it was like holy <laughs> really shit holy shit like how the fuck does she do it yeah, it's yeah. like you're a superwoman yeah, like absolutely. and not just her you know there were all these other colleagues that we have doctor Chia Jia-Sin Ko, Dr. Uh, Kang and uh, we had a um, uh, uh, in future, Dr. Christina Geiger and yeah. <laughs> Dr. Anna Elena Oxhell. and they were like, it was just amazing because you had this sense of we're in a special position as women in this department, mm-hmm. as women in this chair, mm-hmm. uh, working together with this professor who has very high expectations from you, and it was nice to be like understood. Uh, especially as uh, women who maybe had different sort of uh, bends of mind than yeah. all our male colleagues, you know um, and of course we hung out with our male colleagues as well and things were different, you know, you had very different quality of conversations and very different quality of interactions there it was more about like kind of hanging out, having fun, when you were together with your girl gang it was more about solidarity, support and mm. like Like, you've got this and, you know, uh, here, what can we do to make you feel better and everything. So, I am so thankful for all the friends and colleagues that um, the PhD journey gave uh, me the privilege of interacting with and the friendship, the lifelong support that... I attain out of it because it was like an experience that you we were taking together, you know. And I don't know, maybe it's different at different places, but I felt that in the research group, everyone kind of cared for one another.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was so special.
1: Yeah, I felt, it, it I
0: felt didn't matter way. what you were doing, what you were going to do next, where you came from, yeah. how you were like, people were there for you. Yeah. yeah? In industry, where I was at um, everyone was so or i don't know i I now'm going to talk from my experience, mm-hmm. but in different places we'll have different work culture and different environments and different ways different sort of employees that make up the culture and the expectation mm-hmm. at a place but uh, the place where I worked was breathless, you know. There was every moment, every minute of time was over busy. Yeah. It was, there was no time for you to really kind of connect with your peers at a personal level. Mm-hmm. At a lot of times, I felt like it kind of programmed you to be in a certain way mm-hmm. that actually. Um, made that very limited uh, it was like a rare occasion where you mm-hmm. did that uh, and the expectation was that all your interactions were so transactional you know we need to get this done mm-hmm. and we need to get this done by tomorrow or by today Or okay that, it, it, it didn't feel like you were really connecting with someone yeah. Um, that felt like a very vacuous and uh, extracting experience for me. And um, I missed this sort of uh, like genuine connection that I had. And I kind of want to point out that it wasn't the case with everyone at industry. There were individuals Mm -hmm. in there that kind of were there for you, would make time for you. But it was recognized as this is special, you know. Okay. This is not like something that no. we usually do. And it wasn't like we're making time for you when this is an exception. Mm-hmm. But you recognize that behavior as as special. And um, it just felt like, uh, okay, this place is offering me long-term security and is offering me... Uh, Pay or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's taking a lot of work from me, and I'm overworked, and um, I really don't feel like I have work life balance. Um, I have two or three people I think are nice to work with, Uh, but every day, it was my experience, felt like a grind because of. the environment and the culture you know yeah if i don't have anything to complain about the work that i did i but i had huge problems with the environment that i was in and i want to point out it wasn't the lack of diversity because there were people from all sorts of places and um well they were all kind of like highly educated and talented people and everything they were culturally diverse but um, professionally and behaviorally the same Mm -hmm. so it was like whenever you were talking to someone it was like almost talking to the same person who was displaying similar behavior with a different face okay and that felt like and the thing is you were molded to be that way the expectations and the way in order for you to be at that place was for you to behave that way.
1: you think you can prepare for something like that? maybe did you have the the opportunity to talk to the employees? Be- I did, before? but the thing
0: is you can talk, but as long as you don't go there and experience it, you really hmm. are not prepared for what is coming because employees are gonna like always like put together a nice front you know and I mean I was interviewed by the nicest people on the planet so I was like reassured and
1: it's like front end back end (laughs) yeah
0: and it was like you're gonna put your shiniest best Uh, sure. and that's what I saw and then when I went there I saw okay this is how it works internally and maybe I should have known better or whatever but
1: I mean, if you come out uh, from a totally different environment, a caring, supportive environment, uh, at least uh, between uh, the PhD students and colleagues, master bachelors, uh, it's hard to um, yeah make this transition into a totally different, Environment.
0: Absolutely.
1: But still, I mean, is there. But I there? do
0: know that it's yeah. not this way in other companies, for instance. Yeah, um, yeah um, there are,
1: for sure there are. I mean, this is a, now a specific example. Yeah. And, and your experience, but I'm sure this is, uh, these are experiences other, others have as well. So
0: perhaps, yes.
1: You think there, there are some skills you acquired during your PhD? Uh, in, in in this environment that you can use now uh, to to yeah improve, yeah.
0: <laughs> I acquired a lot of skills in my PhD that helped me with the work. I acquired with the work
1: in in, in industry in now.
0: industry yes. Okay. Uh, all the uh, scientific skills, the analytical skills, mm-hmm. the teamwork skills, mm-hmm. dealing with uh, collaborators in industry or collaborators or vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, project management there's a lot of stuff uh, that I learned what I did learn also during my PhD was to deal with people from different sorts of mindsets and backgrounds what I wasn't really prepared for was how to deal with this sort of um, cultural aggression Mm -hmm. you know and uh, I don't know like uh, I don't know what prepares you for it. And yeah, and I, I want to say that um I did not want to become like that. So I did not want to be molded by the surroundings that I was in because that was just that is not who I am, yeah. And so I always behaved in the way that I usually would. Which was always recognized as okay this is different or whatever or or whatever this person's slightly whatever mm-hmm. I, I don't know how it was perceived and i do not want to put my perception of what others perception on it was yeah. but i did not want to be prepared for that or rather i did not want to be in an environment that would be like that that would My biggest sorrow from this experience is I was unable to be myself. I was unable to bring my full self and what I had to offer. And I always had to constrain it. You know? So I didn't feel like I was functioning fully. And um, it felt as if it wasn't it was appreciated by some people but on large, it was like, yeah, okay, well, we need to get this done, this done, this done, this done, this done. It was... In
1: the end, um, your, your job is then... Uh, your job
0: mm-hmm. is making money for the company the profit and... profit is more
1: important than your will. Uh,
0: uh, your, your profit, the profit of the place is more important than anything. anything that you bring. You're replaceable, you're not special for anything that you bring. Of course, if you're like if you fit into that culture and are leading that culture and it is um, idealized by other people you know Mm -hmm. then maybe you have a very successful career Um, I don't know if I'm like sabotaging my opportunities saying all of this but you know companies say that this is what we believe in but uh it would be really fucking great if that could actually be translated into your actual policies yeah. and what you do on a day-to-day basis and how you correct or uh, promote behavior which uh, you know bends a certain way
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean uh, one has to say that uh, this uh, your experience were were special in in this case mm-hmm. um, because I, I as you already said uh, i I think there are also a lot of companies mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. who try at least to incorporate exactly this into their working policy yes and uh, yes. try to create I mean,
0: a good work environment yeah, and, and support you
1: to to create a supportive creative um, environment while still making profit I mean there's yes. nothing wrong about it uh, to, to to make money as a company but parts of this profit for sure should then be reinvested in the employees and, and their yeah, envi- and working environment their I mean Where I want to push it a
0: little further why parts of the profit the fact that you made profit a profit, is because your workers did all that work and delivered something that was better, you know. Yeah. It is a price for the workers and it should go to them. Why just parts of it? Why should some people be keeping a larger share than the others, you know? Why should some work be more important than the others? It's like how we talked about a computer science PhD paying more than a physics PhD and I mean, that is opportunity for you to invest in the workforce training. And I want to point out something. Um, Some places in industry um, require you to do very specific things and in very um, specific timelines that actually make that present a significant barrier for you to be diversifying your skill set because um you have no time you have no access to resources anything you do you do on your personal time which is not paid and you're so fucking overworked in some places okay like i i had poor life work-life balance that significantly I was like fuck you know I didn't go to academia because I was like this is so stressful (laughs) and now I'm in this other place which is like everyone is smiling all the time and everyone feels like whoa this is great and having so much fun and it's so exciting and we're doing this and that And, and I felt like wait am I an outsider over here like why do I feel so differently you know and I was like okay this is just how I feel and I I don't want to pretend that I'm having a great time. I had a great time in terms of the things that I learned there and I saw there and some of the people I worked with. I want to um, especially point out some of the individuals I worked with, there was Dr. Christoph Erben who was, I, I have the privilege of having started my professional industry career with one of the most knowledgeable, professional and uh, well-rounded managers that I could have asked for. I worked with Dr. Milan Padilla, who did his uh, bachelor at the physics department yes. in TUM at the Walter Schottky, and was just one of the brightest mentors and one of the most caring mentors that there ever was. There was. Yuvon Su and um, th- th- there were quite a few individuals but I want to kind of underline that there were some people who really really um, made me appreciate my time there and um, I'm thankful for the opportunity um, to experience that part of um, life I guess yeah. And for the mentorship and for the guidance as someone who was in their first job, you know, um, and for the reassurance that you're doing fine, you know, you're doing well, don't worry about it. Because in that sort of environment, it was so hyper competitive.
1: Yeah, and then this is super valuable if someone tells you something. Yeah, and
0: especially someone that you look up to and someone who has done it, who's achieved it, you know, who's out there. It meant the world to me Mm -hmm. and I'm forever grateful for those positive support and feedback.
1: And this is what makes you then uh, stronger or more experienced in the long term, Mm -hmm. um, which you can use now to, yeah, I mean... To
0: navigate
1: navigate. whatever
0: comes in the future.
1: You know what's coming in the future already?
0: Uh, I have an idea, but I think I will wait out on okay. that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Episode two, then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's <laughs> hope not. <laughs> let's let's hear from some uh, from a lot of other people. Yeah.
1: yeah. Great. So you have any any tips or advice for PhD students who are unsure staying in academia, may, make the risking the transition, making the transition to industry. Yeah, I mean, every, uh, I know everyone is. Uh, there is no general statement about this. Yeah, we I, I have throughout this unique.
0: process discussed the pros and cons of yeah. both places. Um, I, I think that your unique position, mm-hmm. which is also strongly determined by the material spaces of your requirements, which could be a visa. salary, maybe you need to support your family, uh, your future uh, ideals. your uh, view on what you'd like to do, how you'd like to contribute. Um, You're gonna know, you're gonna talk to people, you're gonna find out. Uh, You don't have to find out the right answer at the first time. You give it a go, it doesn't work, try something else. Um, academia industry there's I'm quite sure that there's a lot more than academia and industry um, maybe we're going to be the architects of it we're going to be the architects of a future and I mean it would be so cool if there was like better uh, collaboration between academia and industry as mm-hmm. well you know there are some academic or uh, industry positions or industrial academic positions yeah. and stuff but um you got to figure it out for yourself and no one can make that decision for you. Or uh, whatever decision you take, there is no right or wrong decision. Yeah, Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't let your friends bully you. (laughs) Don't let uh, someone tell you. I did that. I bullied some people who went to industry. (laughs) I was like, what? I always thought that, you know, you're (laughs) so bright that you would continue in academia. Like... uh, And then I was like, I was there in that place. Um, uh, So do what you need to do to um, hopefully uh, flourish and reach the best version of yourself that you can. And um, if it doesn't give you happiness, then um, question yourself. Just because you invested so much time into one place, It is called sunken cost fallacy for a reason because it is a fallacy, yeah? Just because you invested so much time and effort into one thing and it didn't work out doesn't mean that you still have to continue doing it. Um, I think building courage and resilience and the ability to correct yourself if you find yourself lost is really, really a valuable journey that I am on, that I have been helped uh, by some of the most valuable people in my life, my brother Shashwat Pratap, my friends, Lucas Kreutzer, who's here in front of me, uh, uh, we have, uh, I have all these friends, Julian Hager, Sebastian Groth, Tobias Wittmann, uh, Priyanka, Raj Kakati, apurva Srivastava, um, Antoine Voidela. Jonathan Slack, Monica Eisenhart. I have all of these friends and family, my mother, my strongest anchor that... and my partner, Akshat Sharma, who are constantly there for me. And then it's... It is no longer like an academia industry thing. It is your life, you know. Uh, go with it. Uh, and be... Be kind with yourself because it's hard for the world to um, think of you as the center. But yeah, just just do what feels natural.
1: Perfect last statement. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Sanna was so nice to have you on this podcast.
0: Thank you so much, Lucas. I want to say that this is the first time ever I've done something like this. It is so special (laughs) for me. I know that sometimes, like doing a podcast is like oh my god not another podcast but I feel the opportunity that you provide for others to just talk their experiences and for the others to uh, self-evaluate as they talk about themselves has a lot of value and maybe no one listens to this and maybe it's just something that we did one afternoon in Berlin.
1: Then, it, if it's like this, then we had a very nice conversation, and um, yeah, this is
0: and fine, I am fine as well. forever yeah. thankful and will value <laughs> this experience. It, it was very exciting. I was very nervous, but I had so much fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for this, Lucas.
1: Oh, now I'm a little bit blushing. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Sana, it was an honor. Thanks. Uh, Likewise. And um, yeah, maybe see you on a second episode.
0: Hopefully. (laughs) At some some point.
1: Cool. All right, then take care. And to our listeners, if we have some, (laughs) take care as well and see you on the next episode.